Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and welcome to this episode of the View 112 podcast. Today, I'm going to have a special guest on, and we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, motherhood, business, being a working mom, uh, and how our mom inspired us. That's right. Today's guest is going to be my sister. Listen to our girl chat on this Mother's Day edition of the View 112 podcast. Read, write, live. Hi, I'm Janita Morris, and this is the View 112 Podcast. Here, I think out loud and share my perspective on life, balancing a career, and building a writing business. Let's get into it. Good morning, everyone. Today is Friday, May 12th, and it's about, actually almost 10 o'clock in the morning because someone was running a little late, but welcome to the 13th episode of the View 112 podcast. You're already making faces at me. I had a special request for a breakfast date that I could not decline (laughs) from a young gentleman that will be 10 years old very soon. Ah, that's right. He does. So um, everyone, I'd love to introduce you to my sister, Devin Taylor. Hi! Um, And Devin is a wife a mother of two, a, a soon-to-be 10-year-old, as we just heard, who she had breakfast with this morning, and a 12-year-old? Almost 12. Almost 12-year-old. <laughs> Man, I don't know their ages. <laughs> um, and I invited my sister on uh, for this special Mother's Day edition of the View 112 podcast. One, because um, she is a mom, probably outside of my mom, one of my favorite moms out there. Um, and, uh, recently I was just having a conversation with someone and talking about how I've been inspired as an entrepreneur, as a working woman, um, and a, or just an overall career girl from our mom. Um, and for, you know, everyone out there listening, our mother, um, was in and out of (laughs) jobs in the corporate sector, um, in human resources. Um, but she's a very creative person and has had several businesses, I would say, um, over the course of, you know, the years, uh, some of which have, you know, done well and others, you know, not like in entrepreneurship, not all businesses, um, thrive. But, you know, we were able to see firsthand um, what it was like to uh, work for someone that was in business for themselves. Um, And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about what impact that kind of had on us and a little bit about how things are. And so I thought, who would be a better person to talk about these things with other than the only other person on the earth who went through it with, you know, me as a sibling? Um, is my sister. So, Devin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very official-like. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about your career. What do you do? <laughs> what do I do? What do I don't do? Uh, I would say I'm first a parent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like you said, a mother to two. Um, but my daytime job, I work in a hotel in hospitality. Um, I'm a hotel, one of many hotel managers. Um So basically, it's just customer service inside a building where people happen to sleep. (laughs) Okay. Um, What made you go into the hospitality industry? Uh, That is a very tough question. 
Um, I would say, well, getting back to Quilton, ha- Quilton, Quilter's Haven. Quilter's Haven. Is, that was the name of our mother's uh, quilt shop. Um, I was probably about 12 or 13, and I was able to come from school, and I always, for some god-awful reason, wanted to go to the shop mm-hmm. and run the quilting table because people would come with questions, and I could halfway answer them, mostly not answer them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt empowered to do something um, at that age. And so I always thought that cu- that's what customer service was. You answer questions, and you help mm. people make really fun decisions, <laughs> and it was really fun. Now, work is not always that fun, but it still it, it still is gratifying for me. Uh, that's interesting you said that. So, um, so yes, our mother had, my mother has a passion for quilting. Um, she has a lot of passions just for design. I think she's done interior design work. She, she is a maker of all things, a multifaceted woman. Um, but her, a big passion project and something she's into is quilting. And, um, you know, African Americans or black people in quilting, that's not like a thing. <laughs> and especially this was like in the nineties. Um, so she rarely found like places in, in where we lived and we grew up in, in Maryland in the suburbs of Washington, DC. Um, and, uh, there were not very many places where she could go and get things or find fabric that was, you know, I guess interesting and, you know, appeal to her design aesthetic as a quilter. Um, and I think just like most entrepreneurs, she created something out of a void in which she saw in the marketplace. And so she opened um, a quilt store um, in our hometown in Clinton, Maryland, which was probably like less, well, it was a little more than a mile. Yo, way more than a mile. Oh, because we lived, that's right, we lived down we, in Mary Castle. So my father calls it uh, downtown Clinton. So this is where <laughs> um, the shop was, but we lived in a rural uh, area, town in Maryland. That's, that's so. understatement. We lived by a farm with a strawberry patch. <laughs> Uh, in a in a small airport. Yes. But we uh but yeah, so there is no downtown though, but uh it's near Andrews Air Force Base, just outside of Washington, DC. Um and so she opened a store um probably about fifteen minutes away from our house, um, in a in a little cul-de-sac. And I remember we thought from a location standpoint, there was a main highway. Branch Avenue, where you could see the sign and the lighting and all of that. Um, but it was not really clear how you could get there from the highway. Yeah, location is <laughs> uh, everything. So uh, the signage was lit, but uh, yeah, it was weird how to get there. You would definitely needed to know the area. And this was before like GPS or like Google. I and think stuff everyone like that. should Google the Hangers Club. Oh, in Clinton, God. Maryland. I don't know if you want And your... it was next door to there. I wouldn't so call it that way. Lots of complications with that. Yeah. Anyway, so my mom opened a shop and it sold fabric, quilt supplies. I think she taught classes in there, stuff like that. So I think it's interesting to hear you say, Devin, that you, from customer service, um, like you like to work at the table. I liked, and I thought this was the best thing was working at the cash register. No, <laughs> I remember getting the cash register and wanting to be like, 
ringing people out and stuff like that. No. This also should be said that my sister gets her, like she is also a maker of things. And I think her and my mom have the same skill set. So they're into stuff like, you know, making things, sewing, knitting, you know, all of that. I don't still know quite how to sew. <laughs> Um, I did, when I did have my little business endorse apparel, I did a lot of designing, but I still needed sewing help from my mom and my sister, um, to like make patterns and stuff like that for bags and such. But I never had like the sewing bug. And so in that store, I had zero desire to work at the customer service table because I was not going to be able to answer anybody's questions, but I could tell you how much stuff cost. I could ring you out. I could sell other things to you or recommend add-ons and things like that um, and tell you about upcoming events, but I could not consult you, I think, in the way that you did. So that's interesting um, that that's, that was your take from the store. So, um, so my mom, I don't know how many years that Quilters Haven was in business, but I do know, um, like we talked about from that location, she was looking to move more product and um there was a mall in the next town south and she one or two years she rented a kiosk in the mall and she it was the quilters haven kiosk yes and it was unlike a little bit different from the the standalone store the brick and mortar store the kiosk location was perfect i think so you say perfect and i didn't like it why i did not like the randomness of customers i felt like when you came to quilter saving the physical building i see what you're saying you knew what you were why you were there i didn't have to explain quilting on various levels to you you had you knew what the building was inside the mall you just had random people walk up to the stand and think that it was interesting because there were plenty of quilts and tapestries and things like that hanging. Sure. But they didn't necessarily know. They thought that they could buy the the physical quilt that was there and then didn't really understand the craftsmanship that went into it mm-hmm. and then the price point. And I just, it was very intimidating for me. Yeah, so... Um, you're right. I think that the, the target market for Quilters Haven would go directly to the store. Like I'm a quilter. I need quilting supplies. Let me go to Quilters Haven versus in the mall that it was open to everyone. Right. And, um, yeah, I do recall like a lot of people, it did garner a lot of attention because of course my mom has an eye for design. So the kiosk was like set up beautifully and it would have like all these different fabrics and her quilts and everything hanging there. Um, but yes, I do remember a lot of people like coming and looking and not sure. And like, you know, and I think it opened at at the holiday time. So Christmas time, yeah. Everyone is looking for a gift. special gift, yeah. and then it was just tough to have a, people understand that this isn't a machine-made item. And right. So you're not; they're one of a kind. It's not mass-produced. It, yeah, it's, just, it's not it's very, a thirty-dollar blanket at Walmart, no. girl. Like <laughs> somebody hand yes. hand stitched this. Um, but the reason I said I thought the location was excellent was it was. At the bottom of the escalator. It was perfect. From the food court. Yes. 
So this mall was like two levels and a food court and food courts in the 90s were popping. That's where everybody went and hung out, families, etc. And then this it had like two escalators um, and they kind of met in the center. And I think Santa was there. Santa was there. Santa was there. There was a fountain. And then there were two kiosks, I think, one on the other side, mm-hmm. like opposite of us. Yeah. And then Quilter's Haven kiosk. So it garnered a lot of traffic. Like you couldn't be in the mall and not see her quilt shop. Correct. So I think from that standpoint and probably what the investment was, that was a lot better to garner traffic than the Quilter's Haven store. Correct. But I guess to your point, and I hadn't thought about that, is what kind of traffic were was there? Yeah. And was it really her her niche customer? Um, so that's interesting. Um, uh, one other thing, and I think that this is kind of, you know, what I... When I think of entrepreneurship, I, I think from a very young age, and if you were 12, 12 then I was 14... Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought like entrepreneurship was easy and I never thought entrepreneurs, you know, were like wealthy people. I think that, uh, and so when it got like really, especially like in the last decade, when people are like, oh, I run my own business. Oh, I got this, you know, LLC. Oh, I, this, like, I am, I'm not, I'm impressed. Like, I'm not easily impressed. I don't think that like, that's a path to. You know, I don't know. Like, well, I think sometimes people think it can be, and it is, yes. but it's a grind. You don't just run a company and like, oh, that's it. I think that, um, and people, I think, trivialize how hard it is I think to run your own business. people trivialize how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. I think people that work and have a nine to five, they go to work for someone else, trivialize what it is to be a small business owner, what it is to be an entrepreneur. And I also think that, it, you know, it's 2017 that an entrepreneur today is not the same as what it was um, back then. Yeah. So there's so many avenues and branches that you could go. Um, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs, but it is solely internet-based. It right. is solely... Um, like me. Yes, like you. Um, which I talk to my mother about all the time, but she is not entertained by that. Yeah, I think, well, so when I'm saying I think people trivialize it, I just feel like every other person you meet, they like, yeah, I'm running my own business. Like, I think it's like a trendy thing to say versus like people really understanding like the grind behind it. And the point I was making is like, I think because we watched her and we talk about her because it's Mother's Day, but really our parents, right? Yeah. My dad, my dad had a full-time job and, you know, he was the... There's a sacrifice for the spouse or the significant other of the sole owner of the business right. that they have to make. A financial sacrifice oh, yeah. as well as physical. Um, there are many times where dad would work all weekend, all weekend and in the weekend want to have us do our little activities, but then also make sure we stopped at the store to make sure she had a break and Mm -hmm. took her food and all of that and close down the shop and make sure security was okay. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of sacrifice 
all for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's what I learned about entrepreneurship is that it's a grind and like you are the everything. Yes. You're you're the boss. You're the accountant. You're the you know manager of operations you are the corporate buyer you are the you know everything um and you know to like you know when people say like oh they're in business for themselves especially early on and this was a new business like to like everybody gotta get up right girls gotta get to school and you got two teenage girls dad's gotta get to work mom's going to the shop right she's in the shop all day um, until somebody can get off of school to like come and relieve her. Um, and then, you know, we would be there maybe for a few hours in the afternoon here and there, but not always because we did have like extracurricular activities and, and such. And then, um, and then like she would close the shop and then like come home, go to the bank, all of that kind of stuff. Working at the mall, I think was even worse, worse. because you had to go, Based on like the 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 rush in the mall, and then the mall had certain restrictions, so you have to have your uh, kiosk open when the mall opens. So you couldn't put the finishing touches on something at ten o'clock or at nine thirty. If the all the regular stores were going to be open, you needed to be open and set and ready as well. Right. So there was no bank run after ten mm-hmm. o'clock or really nine thirty. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there was not the last minute. Let me get a bite to eat because I won't be able to eat until mm-hmm. whoever gets off school and somebody actually brings them here because mm-hmm. we're in the next town over. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. So. And no lunch break. Yeah. So like she would definitely be sitting there until we one of us could come. And then it was like, oh, okay, now what do you want to eat? And then you just luckily just go up the escalator to the food court. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm even thinking about bathroom break. You're at the mercy of that. Yeah. And then you have to use the mall bathroom. Um, yeah. So those are some of the things like from uh, an entrepreneur standpoint that like the sacrifice and the hard work that really goes into like living your dream and you have to be passionate about it. And our mom is very passionate about quilting to this day. Uh, so our parents have retired and they live in Georgia <laughs> and she still has like a quilt room full of like it's like Quilter's Haven in their house. Uh, in, yeah. this, in this she always has had maintained like that space um, and she does she freelances, I guess is a good way to say it. And she has quilting projects yep. and, um, you know, other, like other means of still getting like some income through her quilting, but she no longer owns like the retail store. I think all in all the business was intact for four, five years, maybe probably five years, um, between storefront and kiosk. And then another, maybe three or four years after that, just out of the home, um, doing memorial quilts and freelance work for co- other corporations. Yeah. Which that's a different beast in itself because then working out of your own home mm-hmm. takes over your home. And when she transitioned into that, and I think that th- that type of work is what kind of I draw from, from for today. So doing like freelance work, um, negotiating contracts, how much you're going to get paid for things. And like, where do you find clients? How do you value your time? 
Um, like, you know, it's something that I'm still wrestling with. Um, and I'll share a story on another podcast later because I am going to talk about like negotiating deals and contract negotiations. But uh, she taught me like a very valuable lesson in that, like not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, like knowing what your work is worth. Even when I had um, my first company, Endorse Apparel, you know, she, that was kind of built on, that was like a subsidiary company of like what she was doing with some of her quilt work. She had purchased and invested into these large embroidery machines. And again, because I don't do that, like Devin and my mom went and like did the training and they knew how to work the machines and all of that. Um, and I just don't have that. That's just not my ministry, but, uh, (laughs) But when I started that company, like I knew what work, like I knew what I wanted to see. And I knew there wasn't like a niche or market for like sports apparel for women. But like, I didn't know exactly how to get things manufactured, screen press or, you know, embroidery. And I know that that was a big source of contention between, you know, my mom and me. And well, probably you too is like the what I wanted to charge, right? Like I'm trying to compete with like NFL shop or, you know, what you see at, I don't know, Dick Sporting Goods or something like that. So like a t-shirt, you know what I mean? Like it's going to cost like $20, $30, but that screen press, you guys are like setting up the embroidery machine, running the machine, all of that for like my bags, you know, like, well, there weren't even any clutch bags like that, but like, I just wanted to charge like, I wanted to keep the price point low and I didn't really have a respect for the craftsmanship that yeah, went into the craftsmanship it. that went into like it. Ha- like a handmade pattern, a hand sewn bag yeah, and then embroidered and then hand finished, <laughs> clipped and finished. So yeah. that quality of what, what you get um, from a person versus a machine and then the value that is attached to it. Yeah. Um, and I think I, and I've said this in other podcasts before, like I was very good at drumming up business and I wanted like these things basically mass produced and (laughs) mom was like, you're not turning me into a sweatshop. Like I need X amount of time. I need this. I need that. And it was like always just, that was like the flaw in the plan, uh, for endorse apparel is like, I needed a different one. I need a different manufacturing plan, but two, I needed to respect the work behind the one I had. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, mom, just so you know, you definitely have inspired <laughs> us um, in ways that you probably don't even know. It's not something that, you know, I, I know, you know, we love you and you inspire us, but just through this lens of like entrepreneurship and working hard and the grind it goes behind, like pursuing your dreams. Um, you know, that left a lasting impression on us, you know, 30 something year old women. Younger of the 30 something. Yeah. I'm, I'm knocking on the next <laughs> decade. Um, so Devin, tell me, um, a little bit about like, do you still have entrepreneurial, you've done little side hustles here and there. Uh, so yes and no. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you're really going to be an entrepreneur, it you have to make up your mind and be all in. Mm-hmm. I enjoy what I do um, for my nine to five, which is not nine to five. Um, 
but at the same time, I enjoy doing things with my hands. I enjoy being creative, mm-hmm. and I just not have found the balance between me being creative and my need to be complete, to complete something. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't enjoy being in middle, in the middle of not completing something. I, if I start something, I want it to be complete. And at this point in my life, I just don't have the time to invest in that. So mm. I don't shut the door on um, my talents or lack thereof. But I do um, think of ways that I can help. I could help other people. You with <laughs> being your own entrepreneur. So I always try to explain it. Is my gift is I can think of a thousand ideas now, and I can execute a pretty good amount of them. But I'm not willing to part with that that part of my time to do it. Gotcha. I think uh, one, I th- you can you have the time. I think we always have the time. <laughs> you know that. Um, but yeah, it's a grind, and I am not a mother <laughs> of two boys, two very rambunctious boys. Well, one very rambunctious boy, but <laughs> two two uh, boys, and you know, working in the hospitality industry and um, being a manager at a hotel with unconventional hours. I have unconventional hours in my day job, but I am also single and childless, and so. I have far more disposable hours than I think you do, but I do think you you could do things. I think my sister, this is probably my frustration with you, if I may, okay. air, air our Go. dirty laundry, sure. um, is I think you're a very creative person, to your point, and I think I'm always, there are a million ways to get out here and get some money, and I feel like, if only like you could see like how gifted you are in so many things and like just make the shift to like pursue that monetarily like you will I feel like you and you know I don't have any problem spending money I don't have I any problem spending money, money. I, yeah I don't have any problems with letting the, the money go now I do have problems with I need confidence of guaranteed return on said investment and said money. Um, but it's so, all, you know, it's, well, a dream. If I could shoot. steer you from this cover, that point to uh-huh. your summer book challenge, mm-hmm. I was super excited about. Um, Wait, let's okay. give me one second. Yeah. That's cute. You try to change the subject. <laughs> Real, before we get into the summer book challenge, I do. So like, I just want to, one example, right, that, you know, uh, I want to give about, like, how you could go into business, right? You okay. know, I feel like you and your husband, right, yes. are amazing. Can I say this? Go. Oh. You know, you make, ama- you throw amazing events, right? If you got a baby shower, you need a caterer, you need everything set up, bridal shower, you know, retirement party, you know, if I ever have, you know, some sort of launch party or something like that. Wedding, when I was married, you guys did my reception, turned my 
you know, turn our home into a reception venue. Like, I don't know why for the life of me, you guys don't have an event or catering company. Like, I don't understand it. But they refuse to do it. Um, And I just don't know why. And and you're passionate about it. You're great at it. You're not good. You guys are excellent. You, You have passion and heart behind it. But like, no. I think at this point in our lives, and I can only speak for myself in what I feel like I see from him. Um, for him, I definitely know that the risk is for him um, too great. And he sure. enjoys what he does. Yes. Uh, Her husband is an executive say? chef. Um, at yeah. a hotel also. Correct. Can I say that? Yes. Hey, Freeman. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, so your the summer book. Yeah, so I just announced yesterday on um, social media and on um, view112.com, I am going to be hosting a summer of business books reading challenge. And basically, I am curating a book club, essentially, where I'm going to pick three business books, one for June, one for July, one for August, um, to inspire you, us, me, everybody um, who joins the challenge to come out of this summer either a better professional, um, you know, just stronger in their business if they are an aspiring entrepreneur to like give them that spark, if they're already a business owner, like what can you do in your business to, um, or what, what can you gain from reading, um, to do this? And I'm an avid reader, you know, I've read a lot. I did a reading challenge, um, last year, in which I read 112 books. Um, and for those who don't know, like why everything is 112, like why is this the View 112 podcast? Why I read 112 books? That's my birthday, January 12th. So, Anyways, I am a big advocate for reading, and I think I have gained so much insight from the books that I've read. Um, and sometimes I'm still working on this, but also the practical application of the things that are in the in the books that I've read. And so I, because I'm a big advocate of reading, and people always are asking me what I'm reading and can I recommend a book, I just thought like this would be really cool to, you know, and I'm also trying to build engagement for like my blog for the podcast, build a community of people that are like like-minded. Um, I thought like this is a good small investment to like build an engaging um, audience. And so the investment is just like the books that I pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so far, you know, we, ha- we have had some people sign up and I'm really excited about it. But when I decided to do the challenge or when I was thinking about it, um, I called Devin and I was like, hey, I think I'm going to do this reading challenge just for the summer. Because I, one, I don't want to intimidate people. I know if I say I'm going to do a book challenge and pe- all of my friends and such who know me, like, girl, I'm not reading 112 books. But like, I'm like a book a month. I feel like, come on, like. You can handle that. People, let's go. Um, so I asked Devin, like, what she was looking for if she was going to join a book challenge. Like, how would she want to develop professionally and I asked that of quite a few people um and so the first book that I selected (laughs) um for June is uh called The Spark and the Grind and the author is Eric Wall 
And um, there's a YouTube video that uh, I think it speaks for itself about like how dynamic sure the does. book is. I am almost done reading The Spark in the yeah. Mind. Well, because I was thinking about this, like I got to read ahead okay. Okay. because I got to curate discussion and you know what I mean? All okay. of that. And like get these like live, like the social media events going and I got to be a little bit ahead. So, um, uh, but the book is excellent. Um, and the concept of the book, as a matter of fact, I have it right here. Um, so it's the spark and the grind ignite the power of disciplined creativity. And um, in the front cover, it says, we've been conditioned to think about creative genius as a dichotomy. Dreamers versus doers, creativity versus discipline, the spark versus the grind. But what if we're wrong? What if it's the spark and the grind? Um, and in and that I think video... That's what makes me super excited about it. Yeah, I think that... Um, and in that video, he's like, you know... What? A, why can't people be dreamers who are doers? And in this book, he wants to inspire you to dream and then do. do. And I think, well, you go. Where were you well, I like the video because he, he did acknowledge that there are thousands of people that um, solely have lots of ideas. They dream and they have a very, very difficult time moving from the the dreaming phase, but then there's people that are all about, let me get it popping. Let me do it. Let me, let me hurry up. Let me, here it is. This is the product and this is how I work in it. And I like both of those aspects. And I, but for a person like me, I can dream of, of a lot of things, but I have apprehension in doing my own dream. Mm-hmm. Now, and if it was somebody else's dream, I'm all about, I'm going to do it. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's go and do it. Let me show you how your dream works. But for mine, it's a little bit difficult for me to then say, okay, let me put this pen to the paper. And I think, um, you know, growing up and I would say certainly later in life, I think um, I've started to embrace both more, obviously, with the businesses that I've run, et cetera, but I've never deemed myself a creative person. I think I've always deemed myself as like the grinder, like a, the doer, I think. And if this is fair to say, you tell me if you agree or not. And I always have thought this, like we would really, uh, it's frustrating over the years, I think. And this is like with our mom too, of like, I've always felt like you guys are the creative people and just let me handle the business part of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't create things. Like, I'm not a creator. I'm not a dreamer. Like, I can get out here. I can see your vision and I can execute it. But I don't, like, have these creative, like, aspirations um, until I, you know, really started thinking about, like, things I'm passionate about and pursuing them. Um and I think that like that's the yin and yang of us is like why we would be great in business together and why I thought like be, mom would be a great business partner is this because like you guys are like the spark and I'm the grind. Like you guys are the dreamers and I'm the doer and you, you need both in a company. And I love that this book challenges that concept of why can't you be both? Like you can be the dreamer who is a doer. Yeah. You will get out of this book for sure how to 
take those dreams and ideas and those sparks and make a continuum of them through through grinding. And I think that for grinders like me, this book absolutely has tapped into ways to continue to fuel creativity. And it talks about the pitfalls, and I think they're very true, and it gives very good examples of like when you're only a dreamer and you never do, kind of like the starving artist. Yeah. Um, and, but also like when you're a doer that never dreams or doesn't, what the cost of like not focusing on, on your own dream your, or tapping into your own creativity. Um, it's a very good book. I have lots of passages that I love. I feel like I, sh- I should share one more quote. Um, as like a teaser, maybe. No, I'm not. I'm not. Because I, I, I'm going to do it. Because we're going to be doing like weekly check-ins and things like that for the book club. And okay. so I'm going to save it for that. But book is really good. So I would love uh, if you are, whether you are or not an avid reader, but if you are looking for ways to boost your, you know, creativity, your, um, you know, just your your performance at work, um, if you want to handle your business, if you're looking for professional development, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, um, if you already run a small business, yeah. if you're a leader, if you're an aspiring leader, so many things career-wise and professionally, um, I think this book challenge will speak to. I highly encourage you. I'm asking you to join me in the Summer of Business Books Challenge. You will need to sign up so you can get information um, like what the, well, we now know what the book is, um, but also like um, more information about the author, other events that we'll be having in the month of June, what the July and August book selections will be. Um, I'm reaching out to um, the authors of the books to see if maybe they'll do like a tweet the author or something like that. Um, and so lots of really cool things. So to sign up, go to my website. It's view112.com, V-I-E-W-112.com. And um, there is on the menu um, button a page for the Summer of Books Business Challenge. And you just sign up right there, confirm your sign up, and then bam, you'll be joining us. Um, this summer, and uh, I think it's going to be fun. Yep. So, Devin, last question for you because, wow, we just been chit-chatting away. Sorry. Um, no, this is good. I just got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be to work, guys, in uh, 20 minutes, actually. Ooh. Yeah, but I live like five minutes from work. Um, anyways, um, last question. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Um, like we said, mother of two. What do you think? So we talked about what we've gotten from our mom. What do you hope your boys get from seeing a woman who works? Um, a strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. Always. I think it's very important. Um, but to understand that. You can do anything. I don't, my job isn't traditional, mm-hmm. I would say. You can do anything that you set your mind to. Um, also, want them to strive to have fun, do what's fun, mm-hmm. and not do, not always chase money. Um, money's great, but to do what's fun and out of doing what's fun, 
your passion will grow and the money will come. And then also just to don't work just for yourself or don't work just to um, survive, that you should work um, to the talents that you have to give back to other people and not necessarily um, just be busy, I guess. Okay. That's fair. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on this special Mother's Day edition of the View on Talk podcast. Thank you. I thought we were going to be just talking about mommy, not about me. You tricked me. A little trickery there. Um, All right. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.